We are going back to Luke again today, but we're not going to be speaking of the birth. We're going to be speaking of something that happens after the birth of a child. Even today, what do we commonly do after the birth of a child? What do we do with that child? We'll have them dedicated or have a baptism, something like that, but we dedicate them to the Lord. And in Israel, that's what was to happen after the birth of a child. They were to be taken to the temple. They were to be dedicated to the child, presenting the child to his father. Joseph and Mary went to present the child, to present the Christ child to his father. I think it is awesome. Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 40. Hear the word of the Lord. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord. That is the dedication of the child. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Paniel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who look for redemption in Israel or in Jerusalem. So when they had performed all these things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. May God add his blessings to the hearing and the reading of his holy word. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we praise you and magnify you. Thank you for your presence in our world today. We thank you for your presence in each of our lives through your Holy Spirit, Lord, as your Spirit led Simeon, may your Spirit lead each and every one of us. May your Spirit be in this place today to open our hearts. Father, that we would long for you, that we would long for you, long for the return of your Son, 
But Father, may we long for you this hour, long to have that relationship with you. And Father, may your spirit move and go forth. May your spirit speak to the hearts of that one that may be searching. Father, that their eyes might be open and their hearts open to receive the word that you have for them today. And may every word spoken be for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So basically our scripture begins today. They are giving the name to the child. His name was called Jesus. Whenever we were in our series in Genesis, which I'll tend to get back to, but I had to pause for Christmas, you know, we learned that choosing a name was very important to those people in that time, in that, in that ancient time. It often had an impact on the child's life. They would often grow to fulfill the meaning of their name. Now, we know Jacob meant supplanter. We know he fulfilled that, but praise God, God changed his name to Israel. So it often was great significance in who they became. The name Jesus was announced to Joseph and Mary through the angels. And I want to share that passage. To Joseph in Matthew 1, verses 20 through 21. It says, But while he thought about these things, I want to pause. What was Joseph thinking about? While he thought about these things, what Joseph was thinking about, he was thinking about divorce and Mary. He was thinking about putting her away quietly because he had found out that she was pregnant. And he knew that she wasn't pregnant by him. So he loved Mary dearly. And he wanted to kind of do away, just cancel this marriage quietly because he didn't want any harm to come to Mary because he loved her, loved her dearly. Because in that day, one caught in adultery could be stoned. But he didn't want that to happen. So while he is pondering these things, mulling them over in his mind, in his heart, it says, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And to Mary, the angel said in Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 32, then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Jesus means Yahweh saves or Yahweh is salvation. The transliteration from Hebrew and Aramaic, the name is Yeshua. Yeshua is a combination of Yah, an abbreviation for Yahweh, the name of Israel's God, and the verb Yeshua means rescue, deliver, or save. So Yeshua is Yahweh saves. The English spelling of the Hebrew Yeshua is Joshua. Though the original, though when translated from Hebrew to Koine Greek, the original language of the New Testament, the name Yeshua becomes Jesus. So whether it's Joshua, Jesus, it's Yahweh saves. The Lord is salvation. 
How significant? You know, most of us in the modern era, we may not give as much thought as they did to, I think I already talked about this, but we don't give as much significance to the name that we give our children. I know that my sister was named Brenda Lee because there was a famous country singer then called Brenda Lee. I was named Ronnie because I was named after my dad. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but maybe we should give a lot of significance to the name that we name our children and maybe encourage them as they grow to live up to that name. But no matter what name we choose to give our children, no matter what name we are given, none are as important as a name given to the child born to Mary and Joseph in a manger that Christmas night or Christmas day. Scripture says Jesus has been given a name that is above every name. Philippians 2, 9-11 Therefore God also has highly exalted Him and given Him the name which is above every name. There is not a more important name in all of history than Jesus, Joshua, Yeshua, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on the earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everyone, everyone, my friends, past, present, and future, even those who have died, that are those that are under the earth, everyone that has died, everyone that is living, and everyone to come, will bow the knee to Jesus Christ. There is coming a day where they will bow the knee to Jesus Christ. And they will confess. They might deny Him while they're here on this earth, but there is coming a day where they will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord indeed. Let's confess it freely that He is Lord. When Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple, it was not only to announce the name to be given, but it was to perform the circumcision. Every Israelite Israelite male child was to be circumcised. The act of circumcising or circumcision was a symbolic and bloody removal of the body of sin. That is what circumcision was, to remove the body of sin. Think about this for a moment. Mary and Joseph taking Jesus to be circumcised. God, the Holy One, who has never sinned, who knew no sin, there was no sin in Him. God is light, there is no darkness in Him. God became flesh, took on flesh, and was circumcised, which is a representation of removing sin that wasn't there. Galatians 5.3 says, And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. In that day, if a foreigner looked to Israel and I believe in their God, I want to become an Israelite. They could become an Israelite, but they would have to be circumcised. And when they did that, they were indebted to keep the whole law. The circumcision of Christ had a profound bearing on His work. For since he that is circumcised is a debtor to keep the whole law, Jesus therefore bore within his own flesh 
the seal of a voluntary obligation to keep the whole law. And he faithfully kept the entire law, the only one able to do so. He was completely without sin, the first and only man to completely live a sinless life, the only one worthy to redeem mankind from our sins. Not to say their sins, from our sins, right? The only one worthy to redeem us from our sins. Galatians 4 again, 4 and 5 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. You see, Jesus had to be born under the law to be able to redeem those who are under the law. Because of Jesus' sacrifice today, the circumcision made by hand, by the hands of man no longer, has the spiritual significance that it had before Christ. But the spiritual circumcision that we have through Christ has eternal significance today. Colossians 2, 11-13 says, In Him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of sin, the sin of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, in which you also were raised with Him through faith in the working of God, who raised Him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the circumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven all your trespasses. By His circumcision, by His taking on the debt, the debt to keep the law, and fulfilling the requirement of the law, by living that perfect sinless life, thus fulfilling the requirement of the law for each of us. Him being circumcised fulfilled the law, fulfilled the requirement for each and every one who puts their faith and their hope in Him as Lord and Savior. Transitioning to my next point. I want to ask you all a question, whether you're here, there's not many, but those listening, whether you're here or whether you're just listening online or on the phone, who likes to wait for things? Anybody? Who likes to wait? Isabel, when you like to wait, don't you? I don't hear anybody on the line saying they like to wait or on the phone. Nobody here raised their hands. Most of us do not like to wait. I mean, some of us are so bad at waiting, we get impatient with a microwave. We sit there. A microwave that heats our foods up in a fraction of the time that a conventional oven would take, and we get impatient. We don't like to wait. We get impatient at a fast food restaurant instead of having to sit there and wait for 45 minutes while they prepare your meal. If it takes four minutes, we're getting impatient. We don't like to wait for things. Taffy Flyler shares a story of her very young son's impatience. She says, because his older brothers were very athletic, she says, my four-year-old son Curtis has been attending sporting events since he was an infant. One Sunday morning, she says, Curtis was becoming increasingly restless and impatient. Well, finally he grabbed my arm and asked, Mommy, is it halftime yet? There's probably days at church you're wondering, is it halftime yet? He's going on and on, right? We are impatient. We do not like to wait. But our passage in Luke 
reveals two very patient and loving people. Two very patient people, devoted to God. Devout, they were called. They patiently waited. They patiently waited and looked forward to the coming Messiah. Let's look first at Simeon. I'll reread a little bit of it. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting. We don't like to wait, but he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Basically, I've waited a long time. But now my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles in the glory of your people Israel. You know, Luke is so amazing at bringing out the little details in his writings. There are so many accurate historical facts available from Luke's writings. Simeon was a man in whom the Holy Ghost was upon According to the Scripture, the Holy Ghost was upon him. It's apparent that the Holy Ghost was upon him before, long before the Christ came. Because it revealed to them that you will not see death. Simeon, you're faithful. I am not going to allow you to see death until you see the Christ, the Messiah. What a wonderful promise. What a wonderful promise. He had been longing to see the salvation of the Lord. And a promise that you're going to see it. Wouldn't you love for the Holy Spirit to reveal to you that you will not see death before the second coming of Christ? Wouldn't that be awesome? It very well could happen. But wouldn't it be awesome to have that promise? For a believer, that means you're not going to see the first death, right? You're not going to have the second death because you believe in Christ. Simeon's described as a devout man. He was a very religious man, one of good reputation, well received among the people. He is waiting for the consolation of Israel. Consolation is defined as an attempt to comfort someone. Someone who is in sorrow or in a time of despair, a time of distress or alone. It involves going personally to comfort. So he's waiting for the consolation, waiting for the Lord to come personally You know, sometimes we attempt to go and bring consolation to someone, to console someone when they're in distress or despair or in sorrow. And we have good intentions, but sometimes we may do more harm than good. Job, you all remember the story of Job? The devil came in and the Lord said, Have you considered my servant Job? And, the God, and God allowed him to take all that he had, all of his wealth and his riches, his family, destroyed it all, but spared his life. Job's in despair. He's in mourning. And his friends come unto him. They're trying to bring consolation to him, to console him. And Job says, they're a bunch of miserable comforters with long-winded speeches. My friends, when people are in a time of mourning, they don't need our long-winded speeches. 
They may just need someone to listen. They might need someone to give them a hug or just to know that you're there for them, that you love them. Consolation was a standard rabbinical term used by the Jews for the Messianic age. Of course, Simeon's longing was more than people needing a hug. The nation and the world, much like today, was in a time of distress, a time of darkness, in need of salvation. Many saw Jesus only as another little baby. Many even saw the full-grown Jesus as just another prophet, another great teacher. But Simeon saw Him, even as a babe, the babe that He held in His arms, as the Messiah, as the Savior. How do you view Jesus? you view Him as just another prophet? Or do you view Him as the Messiah, the Savior of the world? He said, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He did not need Mary and Joseph to reveal to him who this baby was. The Holy Ghost had already revealed it to him. The Holy Ghost led him to be in the temple at that precise time, the exact time that Mary and Joseph would bring Jesus in. And he knew because of the Holy Spirit. And then we have Anna, the prophetess. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Paniel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke to him of, spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Israel. You know, the Bible identifies only 55 actual prophets, and only seven of those 55 were women. Anna, being a widow of about 84 years. The way that is worded, it's hard to understand that completely. But if she was 84 years old, and she was married for seven years, you estimate that the average little Jewish woman or young girl married maybe 13 or 14 years old. Hard to us to understand that. But married for seven, so she'd have been approximately 20 when her husband passed. She was 60 or 64 years in the temple. But another way you read that, she may have been a widow for 84 years. So 60 to 64 years or possibly 84 years, she lived at the temple. She did not depart from the temple. She stayed there, fasting and praying. What devotion. What devotion. None compare. Anna and Simeon both were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for the salvation of Israel and all people. Anna spoke of Him to all who looked for redemption. That's the most important thing, most important part of this. For those who looked for redemption, looked for the Messiah. Are you looking for the Messiah? Jeremiah 29, 10-13 says, For thus says the Lord, After seventy years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you, and cause you to return to this place. 
For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace. My friends, we can take this personally. Thoughts that God has towards us. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. God's saying that to you today. I have thoughts of peace towards you, not of evil. I want to give you a future. I want to give you a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray, and I will listen to you. God will listen. And, we, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Need to pause and take that in, don't we? When you search for me with all of your heart. And then in 1 Chronicles twenty-two nineteen, Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Therefore arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy articles of God into the house that is to be built for the name of the Lord. Verse 34 and 35 of our scripture said, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against you. Yes, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. My friends, when we tell someone about Jesus, their heart's going to be revealed in how they respond to you. Whether they accept or rather they reject, their heart is going to be revealed. My friends, God is looking for those that will search for Him, that will long for Him with all of their hearts. Acts 4, 8-12, through 12, I don't believe this one's up there. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed among a, a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I return to the name. There is no other name. There's no other that we should seek. There is no other in whom we can find salvation. And I was reading this morning and just added this to it. John chapter 3. There's no greater chapter we can go to, but I'm not going to the verse that we all have memorized. Verse 18. He who believes in Him, speaking of Jesus Christ, the one I'm speaking of His name. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Friends, we must believe in the Son of God. We must believe in Jesus Christ, the one born in that manger on that first Christmas. We must long for, look for, be patient, but while we're patient, continue to share that name. Reveal Him to others. That is the calling of the church to make known the work of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. To bring salvation, consolation, not just to Israel, 
but to all mankind. It is for us today. Amen? Amen. May God add his blessing to his message today.